Hey everyone, happy Easter and welcome to Northridge Church Online for this very special day. So my name is Brent Bickle. I am one of the pastors here at Northridge and I just want to say thanks for joining us online today. Also want you to know that Northridge Church is a safe place, not just on Easter, but all the time. We want you to know it's a safe place for you to ask questions about God, about the Bible, about faith, about your faith, about faith in general. But we're just glad that you're here joining us online. Well, these are strange days we're living in, aren't they? To be honest, I would so much rather be doing this physically in person with you. I'm sure that many of us would. But the truth is that this cannot contain the fact that we are going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus today on Easter. And so I'm so glad that we're here together, at least virtually online. But these are strange days. I mean, when was the last time that you went into the store and went down the toilet paper and soap aisle and it was empty, right? How many of you have been frustrated about that? I have been. Or how many of you maybe saw this? There was a grocery store that actually was selling poo emojis with a roll of toilet paper in the case. Yeah, somebody has a sense of humor. Or... Who thought that in these days we could compare grocery store shopping to playing Pac-Man? Avoid everything you can, grab the fruit as fast as you can, and take the route where you won't bump into anybody. Well, here's the deal. These days are strange. But what's interesting is about it is that this year's Easter is maybe a little bit like the disciples experienced their first Easter. What do I mean by that? Well, that first Easter, the disciples were huddled together, scared, behind locked doors. They had quarantined themselves because they had just lost their Messiah, their teacher, their rabbi, their Lord, to being executed on a cross. They were scared. They were uncertain about the future. They didn't know what was going to happen and when this was all going to end. Does it sound familiar? Well, here we are today, and what I want to do is I want to talk about the two most important things that are contained within the Easter story. The cross and the resurrection. The sacrifice and the victory. So that's what I want to talk to you today. So let's start with the cross. Let's start with the sacrifice. So to catch us up to speed, here's what's happened. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying. And one of his very own disciples, Judas, came in and betrayed him. At that point, Jesus is arrested, he's hauled off, he's carried off, and he is put on trial for crimes that he never committed. He's falsely accused. And at that point, then Jesus is given his own cross, he's beaten, and they have him carry his cross, and he takes it up to a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he is crucified. And he is placed on a cross, and after several hours, in the book of Matthew, it records exactly the very last moment of Jesus' life. And I'll read it because it also records something else that's really important that happens. Let me read it for you. Matthew chapter 27, starting with verse 50. It says, Then Jesus shouted out again. Remember, he's hanging on the cross. And he released his spirit. That means he died. 
At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So if we were to ask the question, why did Jesus die on a cross? This verse tells us that it was to rip a curtain in two from top to bottom. You might be here saying, well, that's weird. That seems like a very extreme thing for Jesus too, to die on a cross in order to rip a curtain in two. But the truth is that this is not just any curtain. This is the curtain. This is the veil that was massive and it separated two key places in the temple in the city of Jerusalem. What it specifically did is it separated the holy place from the most holy place. What was the most holy place? The most holy place was the literal, actual presence of God. It's actually how God set it up to be that way. But here's what's interesting is, the veil, the curtain, limited access to God. In fact, there was only one person that could go into the most holy place, and that was the high priest. And he could do, only do that one day out of the entire year, the Day of Atonement when he would go and make a sacrifice on behalf of all the people of Israel. One day out of the year. So what does all this mean? Very simply this. Access to God's presence was limited. That's the first word I want you to think about. It's the word that Jesus gave to us. It's what Jesus offered to us when he died on the cross. He offered access to God's presence. See, the thing is, when when Jesus died on the cross, everything changed. Now, a couple of things didn't change. God didn't change. He has always been the same. He will always be the same. God never changes because he can't change because he's perfect. We didn't change. We still are in need of a Savior. We still had sin in our life. So what changed with Jesus' sacrifice on the cross? Well, here's what changed. The access that we have to God changed. The access that we have to God's presence changed. What was once limited because of other animal sacrifices and all these other systems and rules and regulations was now completely taken off the table. It was completely destroyed and was taken out. And now you and I, this is the great news for today. The news is that we have complete and every day, every moment access to God's presence in our lives. Because of the cross, because of Jesus' sacrifice. In fact, here's the deal. This presence was offered to you and I through this sacrifice, and it changes everything. Because presence changes everything, doesn't it? Let me tell you a story to illustrate this. So when I was in college, I worked for a maintenance crew. And uh, I went to college in Indiana. And it was one of those things where I was, uh, you know, you guys know I am not a maintenance guy. But that's what I did. It was the way that I made money in college. So one day I was working with a maintenance crew and I was riding in one of those four-wheeled maintenance vehicles. I was not driving. Somebody else was driving. And we were going through a large parking lot. Well, all of a sudden, the driver realized we were about to run into one of those decorative islands that they put in the middle of the parking lot. And so he jerked the wheel to the left suddenly. And the problem was, it wouldn't have been a problem if I was paying attention, but I wasn't paying attention and I wasn't holding on to the side. There were no sides, there was just a bar. 
And as soon as he jerked the wheel to the left and he swerved, I got thrown out of the vehicle. I was on a parking lot and I was able to catch myself on my feet, but we were going so fast, it flipped me immediately over end and my head slammed into the pavement and into the curb. Hit my head really hard. Honestly, I don't remember anything for a few minutes. But then when I came to, I thought I was okay. My head hurt, but otherwise I felt okay. And so I went back to my dorm room, but all of a sudden I realized something was not okay. Within less than an hour, my head started to really pound, almost like it was going to explode. And so I went to the nurse's station, and it was there that I began to cough up blood. Now I knew it was really serious. And it was at that point that they called the ambulance. The ambulance came to the the campus, picked me up, and rushed me to the hospital. The hospital that it took me to did not have the capability to figure out what the problem was that was going on in my head. (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah, I can tell you what's wrong on your head. And yeah, I know, I teed it up for you. You're welcome on this Easter Sunday. But here's the deal. They had to get me up to this other city to get to this hospital that could actually look and figure out what was going on in my head. So here I am, and I'm an hour away from campus. My parents live in Wisconsin. They're an eight-hour drive away. I have nobody that's with me that I know. And I remember this very vividly, even though I was in and out of consciousness. I remember feeling intense pain. I remember feeling very scared. I remember feeling alone. And what I didn't know is that my parents had found out and they had immediately called my grandparents who lived about an hour away across the state of Indiana. And they had left to get to the hospital as soon as they could. And so what they did is they got there and what happened when they walked in the room, their presence for me changed everything. It changed everything. Immediately I felt peace. I felt like there was somebody there that loved me unconditionally. I felt like there was somebody who was in my corner and they were going to go to bat for me. Their presence changed everything in that moment for me. In a moment when I was scared and felt alone. That is exactly what Jesus did for you on the cross. He gave you the option, the possibility of having access to God, His presence, every minute of every day in your life. That's an awesome thing. And by the way, quick side note here, when we have God in our life, when we have God's presence in our life on a daily basis, it changes everything in our life. It changes how we view life, how we do life, how we see life. And this brings up what I want to tell you about that I'm really excited about. So, Next week, we're going to start a brand new series. It's a five-week series, and it's called The Home Run Life. The Home Run Life is very simply a series where we're going to look at how we change how we do life. It's living life by a different game plan. And I'm really excited about this series. This is why. I can honestly and genuinely say this. This series, the things that we talk about in this series, can literally change our life. It can change how we do life. And what we'll talk about in this series for five weeks is how we tend to live life 
backwards of how God set it up for us to live. Now we're going to talk about living and doing this according to God's game plan, not necessarily our own. It's going to be as practical and relevant as it gets. So I hope you'll jump in and join us for that series. So here's the deal. We talked about the first part of our Easter story, but we haven't talked about the second part, which is the victory, the resurrection of Jesus. So let's talk about that for a moment. So again, Jesus dies on the cross, then he's taken off the cross and they bury him in a borrowed tomb and where they roll a stone in place and seal him off. But then we know that Jesus does not stay dead. That's why we're here today, isn't it? To celebrate Easter. We know he doesn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the grave. So as the Bible tells us, on early on Easter Sunday morning, it was discovered that Jesus was no longer there. The stone was rolled away and Jesus was resurrected. He was alive. He was no longer dead. But the question I have for you is, do you remember where his disciples were that Sunday? Do you remember? Let me read for you where they were and what happened. I want to fast forward, not on Easter Sunday morning, but Sunday evening. I want to read out of the book of John, where it tells us what is going on with the disciples. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 20. It says this, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them, Can you imagine the disciples? I mean, all of a sudden they're there, they're scared behind locked doors, and all of a sudden, boom, Jesus is there. I wonder if any of the disciples had to like change their clothes after that. You know what I mean. But Jesus appears there. He was there among them, and it says, Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. By the way, notice how the presence of Jesus changed everything for the disciples. But then what else changed? Why is the resurrection important? Why was it really important that Jesus not only died on the cross and became the sacrifice for our sins, but why is it important that he also rose and defeated death? Well, here's the reason. And the disciples are our illustration, the example. What changed was that the disciples went from a small band of scared followers of Jesus huddled together in a room, locked behind doors, and they were scared of the future. They were scared of the authorities. They were scared to do anything. This is not what Jesus had told them to do. He didn't say, I have come so that you can huddle together and be scared of what other people can do to you. No, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The resurrection, here's what it did. The resurrection changed everything because it showed the disciples that Jesus could give them access, and this is the second word I want you to learn, access to God's power. The cross gives us access to God's presence. The resurrection gives us access to God's power. The disciples now, after this, after seeing the resurrected Jesus with his wounds from the cross, 
they realize that Jesus can do and give them and, and do for them anything. Nothing will be impossible. At this point, they go from being scared and huddled together to going out and sharing the good news to the rest of the known world. And here we are to this day because a group of disciples decided they were going to be bold and courageous with the power that God had given them to share the good news of Jesus to everyone. It changed everything. And it changes everything for you and I. The presence of God and the power of God. But the truth is, you might be wondering, well, why don't I see all that? Well, here's the deal. Jesus, to us, is hidden in plain sight. Sometimes he's hidden to us because we simply don't see it. We don't see him. If we were going to be honest today, I think that's a good thing to be. Sometimes we don't see Jesus because we don't want to. I know that's true in my life. Sometimes I kind of want to act like God isn't there, like Jesus isn't there, because it's easier. Then I don't have to be accountable. But Jesus is truly hidden in plain sight. He's there. He's always there. He's always been there. But the question I have for you is, what do you do with that? What do you do with that reality, that truth? Maybe a final story will help. So there was a Christian missionary named David Morse who traveled to India and lived there for many, many years trying to help people know about the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. Well, he befriended this man in India named Roomba. And Roomba, he had this, uh, they developed this great friendship over the years. And throughout their days, they would kind of get to know each other. And after a couple of years, they became good friends. And throughout the years, they, their friendship grew so deep that they became best friends. Throughout their friendship, they would talk about their different beliefs. And Roomba would talk about how his belief forced him and needed him to do all these penance things and, and forced himself to do all these things to make penance for his, his actions and his sins and all those kinds of things. And David, the Christian missionary, he, he would explain to his friend and say, no, God has offered you, Jesus has offered you a, a free gift to where you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay penance for these things. It's not so much what you do for God as much as it, it's amazing what God does for you. Well, their friendship continued. And one day, his friend Roomba came to David, the, the Christian missionary, and he, he handed him a small box. And he told his friend, he said, so I've never told you this in all our years of being friends, but I once had a son, my only son. He was a pearl diver, just like I am. And he was one of the best I've ever seen. He could dive deeper than I know anybody to be able to, to dive. And he would go down and there was this one day and he found this exceptionally large oyster. And he knew that there was probably an amazing pearl inside. And sure enough, he got down and it was very deep and it was lodged into a crevice. And so he struggled for many minutes underwater to uh, unlodge this thing. Finally, he was able to do it, barely making it back to the surface and gasping for air. He was able to get this, and he opened up the oyster, and the pearl was the biggest he had ever found. But the problem was he had stayed underwater too long, and his body couldn't handle it, and he passed away. He died shortly after. 
I lost my only son. At that point, the missionary was kind of shocked. And, and his friend Roomba said, here's what I want. I want to give you this box. Inside this box is the pearl that my only son found that day. And I want to give it to you as a gift. And David, the missionary, he looked at his friend. He said, I can't accept this. I'm willing to pay for it or I can work for it, but I can't accept it. And his friend was shocked and he said, but you don't understand. This pearl is more valuable to me than you can imagine. It literally has no value. It's so invaluable to me because it was my son's one major possession. It's the last possession I have for my son. He said, I can't sell it to you. You can't work it for it, but I can give it to you as a gift. And then the missionary realized the opportunity. And he grabbed his friend's hand and he looked at him in the eyes and he said, do you realize that what I just told you is what you've been saying to God all these years? His friend Roomba realized what he was saying. And he said this, he said, I have believed in the doctrine of Jesus Christ for many years. But what I've always had a hard time believing and understanding is that the gift of salvation that Jesus offered was a free gift, that it was completely free, that I didn't have to do anything to, do, to earn it. And what he said was, but what I realized today is that some things are so valuable so amazing, so powerful. They cannot be bought. They cannot be purchased. They cannot be earned. Some things are so valuable, they can only be given freely as a gift. That is what Jesus, with the cross and the resurrection, has offered to you. A free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's a free gift. And the most important question I have for you today is this. Will you accept the free gift of Jesus that has been offered to you? Will you accept Jesus today? Let me pray for you and give you the opportunity to do that right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to celebrate Easter today as a church, even though we have to do it online. But right now, I want to focus on anybody who is watching or listening right now. And they would like to accept you, Jesus. They want to receive the free gift that you've offered to them. They've never done it before, and so they want to take this opportunity right now. I would just ask that they would pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me and my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. Today, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Today, I commit my life to you. Today, I accept you, Jesus. For all the rest of us, help us to remember 
the sacrifice that you paid on the cross and the resurrection from the dead gives us access to your presence and your power. Help us to celebrate that and remember that today. And we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we don't normally do this, but I want to take one more step to give you an opportunity to follow up. So many, many, many people have reached out to us over these last several weeks with all kinds of questions and comments and and things about God and the Bible and Jesus. And so I want to give you an opportunity. So in just a moment, you're going to see, it's going to come up on the screen. You're going to see a phone number. And here's what I want to invite you to do. There are three options for you to respond. The first one, if you just accepted Jesus, that is awesome. There is no greater decision that you can make than to accept Jesus and offer and and receive that free gift of salvation. And so what I want to invite you to do is this. It's going to take a little bit of courage on your part. But I want you to take that phone number and I want you to put your first and last name in to that phone number. And I want you to text us the number one. Just text number one with your first and last name. That's it. Very simple. The reason I asked you to do that is because we want to know that you gave your life to Christ. And we're going to celebrate that with you. But don't worry, we're not going to put you in front of a camera or or embarrass you or anything like that. All we're going to do is we're going to reach out to you. And we're going to see if you have any questions of what to do now that you've accepted Jesus. I also want you to know that we're going to send you a free Bible, a new believer's Bible. It's an amazing Bible. And we want to give it to you as our free gift because you accepted the free gift that was offered by Jesus. We also are going to give you access to a a website that we have access to as a church because we pay a subscription to it that has videos and resources and all kinds of things. So just text your name and the number one to that number and we'll respond to you in the next day or two. Maybe you're here and you just have some questions. Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you want to just reach out to us and you want us to know something about yourself. That's awesome. Just text that number with your name and text the number two. Maybe you're here and you don't want, none of those things necessarily apply, but you just want to connect with our church. You just want to get on our email list or, or find out what, a little bit more about Northridge and what we're doing. That's awesome. All you have to do is text the number three to us and we'll respond in the next day or two. So either way, here's what I want to invite you to do. Celebrate our risen Lord and Savior today. It is Easter. Let's celebrate Him. And as always, remember that I love you, God loves you, and He is risen.